0: Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we have a special crossover
1: Friday with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit use promo code locked on to activate this offer that's promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid you are locked on buccaneers your daily tampa bay buccaneers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
2: the before
0: somebody else takes you out of the frame put your name what's up and welcome to crossover fridays here on the locked on podcast network i am james yarko one of the hosts of locked on bucks joined by my co-host he's here for a crossover episode david harrison and from locked on falcons we are joined by aaron freeman aaron we'll start with you how you doing buddy do you have a good christmas
2: I did um glad to be back here doing this with you guys a little bit rusty, got a, a couple of days off there um but I, i'm I'm glad to get back into the the swing of things uh for this all important week 17 finale between the Falcons and Bucks because we know so much is at stake going into this game right guys
0: well I mean winner is is second place in the division and loser is third, so i mean
2: there's there's a little something to play for. Absolutely. You know, very, very. And uh, draft, position. <laughs> draft yeah. position is always important at, with these uh, Falcon Bucks uh, week 17 uh, finales.
0: Yeah. And, and David, welcome to the
1: to, to crossover episode. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's my first and only of the year. So I'm looking forward to it.
2: Well, I'm, so I'm our- glad I could bring you out, David, for this special occasion.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, division division matchups are always more interesting, anyway. And actually, Aaron, I mean, we talk about the future, and I don't know if we're ready for the question and answer portion, but I'm going to fire one out there. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, does this game have any weight as far as the future of Dan Quinn, in your opinion, or for fact, or or, or what do you think? Like, win or lose,
2: is, is his fate already sealed? And that's been the big question uh, surrounding the fans and the media the last several weeks, and then going back even a couple of months. Uh, Since the Falcons bye week, I personally don't think it does. I think what's really sort of going on and one of the things I've talked about quite a bit on lockdown Falcons over these last several weeks is I think it's reminiscent of the situation with uh, a coach that you guys are familiar with, Mike Smith, formerly the Falcons head coach back in 2014 when he got fired. And at that point in time, the Falcons started off that season really slow. They picked things up in the second half of that season after their bye week. And they were in the playoff hunt because the NFC South was particularly bad that year. And they were in a situation where they were going into the Week 17 game against the Carolina Panthers in a situation where the winner of that game would win the division and go to the postseason. And the Falcons wound up losing that game. But what was interesting was that going into that game, it was leaked that Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, had already hired a search firm to look for the next Falcons head coach. So it didn't really matter about that Week 17 game, the outcome of it whether the Falcons made the playoffs or not, he had already made the decision to move on from Mike Smith, and that sort of leaked out there. And I think that really embarrassed Arthur Blank, and it led to the Falcons getting their butts kicked by the Bucks. I mean, I'm sorry, the Panthers in that Week 17 finale. And I think Arthur Blank is doing everything possible to avoid that sort of same situation, and he wants the team to play hard, as they have done these last couple of weeks, where they've won five out of the last seven games since the bye week. And he wants this team to believe that they can save Dan Quinn's job by winning football games to keep them motivated. And also for the sake of the fans, that the people that are stuck going to watch this um, disappointing Falcon team on Sundays in that stadium will have something to cheer for and root for. So I personally think that Arthur Blank has already sort of made the decision or certainly leaning towards firing Dan Quinn uh, heading into Sunday. So the outcome of the game doesn't really matter. But certainly I think everybody in that building, with the exception of Arthur Blank, I think wants or hopes to believe that, the, you know, the outcome of this game is going to play hard and coach hard and do everything hard this week in order to try to potentially salvage some opportunities. But I think the decision is already made. Mm-hmm. And what about Thomas Dimitrov? That's even a bigger question. And I don't really have as strong an opinion or a strong an answer leaning one way or the other. I think it's likely that he's going to be moved along out along with Dan Quinn, but I don't know if it's quite guaranteed at this point. In time.
1: Yeah, because he's interesting. I mean, Coach Quinn. I, I from an outside point of view, I don't I don't see how you can continue with with Coach Quinn. Um, I know that they've the, the Falcons have definitely shown some really good things this season and all that, but I think the greater body of work kind of speaks for itself, and I think that's kind of. Where where the Falcons you know organization needs to move forward is with the the whole body of work versus kind of the spurts here and there that that you guys have seen. But Thomas Dimitrov, I mean, that's a guy with with quite a reputation around the league. And even though things haven't really quite worked out, you know, for the Falcons obviously, and everything like that, I feel like you know, we've already seen a couple of general managers in the league get second chances where it used to be a general manager got fired once. And that was pretty much it. They either moved to an, an analyst position somewhere for a network or something else. Um, I feel like Thomas Dimitrov is the guy who actually, I mean, he might be the first general manager since I don't even know when who could get fired and then hired to another team that very offseason because of the reputation he seems to have around the league. So I think it'd be interesting to see if if TD gets to stay on, I don't know. He's a guy I, I've, I've kind of paid attention to Thomas Dimitrov. I kind of like him. I'm a fan of his, uh, personally. So he's kind of someone I pay attention to. So it'd be interesting to see how the Falcons and how
2: Arthur blank moves forward with that. Definitely. I don't have an answer for you, David, but it is going to be an interesting <laughs> uh, topic and, and something to keep our eye on.
0: Now heading into this game, what is, what is the confidence level of Falcons fans in general as to how they match up with the Bucks team that beat them pretty soundly the first time around, but is going into this game without Mike Evans and more than likely, I'd say 99.5% chance they'll be without uh, Chris Godwin.
2: I think the confidence level is fairly high just because of the Godwin factor. Uh, it's Historically, it's been Evans that has killed this team, but last time the Falcons and Bucks played, it was really Godwin that, you know, tore them a new one. Um, I think so. There is some confidence that we, we may not see sort of the level of explosive plays that we saw from Godwin in particular in that last game. And if that's the case, then it's a much more winnable game for the Falcons. But I guess I'm curious for you guys sort of looking at these last couple of weeks without Evans, who's on IR and with Godwin being nicked up, you know, what have you guys been seeing from guys like Rashad Perryman and, and seeing to get a little bit more involved? Is this Buccaneers offense still just as explosive as just different guys that are now making the plays? Or has there been a significant drop off, at least in that sort of uh, vertical and uh, chunk yardage arena uh, with, you know, Godwin and Evans nicked up?
0: Well, they're, they're certainly trying to be as explosive. It's just not working out very well when your quarterback keeps throwing the ball to the wrong team. Brashad um, Perryman has really come on pretty strong, uh, not even just in the absence of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but even before that, he was making some some key catches and, and scoring touchdowns and really getting more involved in the offense and basically shutting up the the naysayers who wanted him cut in exchange for a compensatory pick. What you what you have to look at is, you know, getting OJ Howard more involved, getting Cameron Brate more involved. You know, there he's he's Jamus is out there passing to guys like Justin Watson and and Ishmael Hyman, who got re-signed to the to the practice squad on on Thursday, so yeah, he won't be out there. I do believe that the Bucks still match up pretty well with the Falcons, especially the way their defense has come on lately. Um, I still think they can win this game even without Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, but it's definitely not going to be like it was the first go-round.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think what's going to be the thing, the key matchup, particularly with the Falcons defense going up against this uh, Bucks offense, I think the key matchup is going to be Grady Jarrett, who was pretty much shut down, I thought, by the, the Bucks interior off to line that last game. It was one of the quietest performances I've seen from Grady Jarrett these last couple of years uh, in that previous matchup. And he's sort of been the guy that spearheads and is the catalyst for this Falcons pass rush for most of the season. When they get going, it's often with Grady Jarrett uh, sort of being the lead dog and followed by guys like Adrian Clayborn. We've seen Vic Beasley step up in recent weeks as well. So I think if they can get Grady Jarrett going, um, that can get some pressure on Jameis, create those turnovers that he is very likely to throw on the first one or two possessions of, of these games and, and did so the last time the Falcons played. But I think if they can continue to get pressure from Grady Jarrett and the rest of the Falcons pass rush, um, then that can limit the Bucks offense for the remaining 57 minutes of the football game. Um, where they can maybe force some turnovers and, and potentially give their offense some opportunities to capitalize uh, in this week seventeen matchup.
1: I understand. You know, we have a game, obviously, and and, and games are always important. You know, when you're when you're gauging the future of a team, and then we talk about draft position and all that stuff. But I'm really more interested in the future of the Falcons because you know, obviously, being division rivals, it's it's a team that we look at twice a year, and so we kind of always have you know one eye on the Falcons and. I look at guys like Austin Hooper, who, you know, is going to be a free agent. And I just kind of wonder, like, what's what's the future look like to you for the Atlanta Falcons? Because, I mean, cap-related, I know that our manager, Gil RC always says, don't worry about the salary cap. But when you have such little projected salary cap like the Falcons do for 2020 and a guy like Austin Hooper is a free agent and is the second leading receiver on your team and a, when a team that's kind of been struggling on and off and an aging quarterback, I mean, co- uh, coaching questions, I mean – so, so I know we have a game, but really my question is really just what's going to happen with the Falcons moving forward, or at least how do you feel like the Falcons should do things moving forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, the salary cap has been an, an obstacle for them um, these last couple of off seasons. And, and one of the things I've talked about on Lockdown Falcons has been sort of, or will talk about, I haven't I've touched upon it briefly on the podcast, but I, that will certainly be a topic of conversation this upcoming off season. Um, particularly in light of the potential changes that they're going to make in the front office and the coaching staff. But I think the Falcons haven't really capitalized and maximized their cap space in recent years. And and now they're going to kind of be forced to, particularly if they get a new uh, regime coming in, that's going to not be as willing as this former regime has been to sort of be like, yeah, we don't really need to spend in free agency, you know, we don't really need to create a ton of cap space because we trust in the guys that we've already drafted. And a new regime is going to come in and be like, well, you know, we didn't draft any of these guys. So we're going to bring in our own guys and we need cap space to do that. We need draft picks to do that and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's going to be interesting as well for me to watch. Obviously, I'll be covering it firsthand to sort of see what changes and what differing philosophies when it comes to that. Um, but it's going to be a situation, I think, for the Falcons for the next couple of off seasons where they won't be as able to have to um, go out there and, and fix and plug holes in free agency because they don't have as much cap space. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why is going to compel them to have to make a change because just sort of going with the current personnel, I think, is not really working out in their favor these last two se- two seasons. And so they need someone to come in with fresh eyes and say, okay, we need to fix this, we need to fix this, we need to change this guy, we need to cut this guy, we need to trade this guy, etc., etc. So uh, I, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how aggressive a potentially new regime is going to be with sort of completely reshaping you know, is it is it tweaking or is it com- a complete revamp of this roster in the next couple of, over the next couple of years? So,
0: are you are you super excited that Dirt Cutter is going to be the new head coach?
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, that would be the most amazing thing uh, possible. It would at least allow me to vent on the podcast a little bit more than <laughs> I have already have as my own personal therapy session where I can just scream into the microphone. Um, complaining about dirt cutter every single week, so it would make the content much easier because it's just oh, we do you know three episodes a week complaining about dirt cutter, and then we'll figure out what the other two episodes are.
1: Now, Aaron, the last time the Bucks and the Falcons played, uh, I was I was spying on Falcons fans in their in their comment section over at, at the SB Nation site, and I noticed that there's a, there's a lot of of complaining about Calvin Ridley, like a, a lot of Falcons fans, at least. The vocal ones, which you know they don't, they don't always uh, make up the majority of fans, but they they seem to think that Calvin Ridley is is not worth you know the investment the team put into him, not kind of the heir apparent to Julio Jones perhaps as the primary receiver in Atlanta, stuff like that. But when you look at his stat line, like I know he's not you know he's third he's third on the team if if I'm not mis- mistaken in receiving. I mean, 866 yards receiving this year and seven touchdowns isn't bad. Like it's not that's not a season just throw in the trash. Uh, where do you stand on Calvin Ridley, and is it is it just that the complainers are the loudest ones, or is that kind of the feel amongst Falcons fans? Because, I mean, even with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in Tampa, I'm sure the Buccaneers fans would love to see Calvin Ridley putting up the kind of production he's doing in Atlanta for the Bucks.
2: Well, my guess is it's similar to maybe Bucks fans that were complaining about Chris Godwin a, a, a year or two ago, because I'm sure he hadn't quite lived up to expectations, or at least some people's expectations, although you certainly saw... The ability was clearly there from from the jump, um, and this year he's started to put it together. For me, you know, I, I personally think that's a very vocal minority of Falcon fans. Uh, I, I don't really run across that. He certainly gets a decent amount of criticism, but that tends, at least I've noticed, that tends to happen when he drops a pass or something like that, which I think fans tend to be very vocal about when, when someone drops a pass. Uh, a little too vocal, in my opinion. I think drops are very overrated. By fans, but I, I think Ridley. You know, I'm I'm very happy with Calvin Ridley. He's one of the few sure things that this team has added over the last couple of off seasons that I'm I'm really confident. Is he on the level of Julio Jones? No, but like who is on the level of Julio Jones? You know, like there's a handful of receivers that are even approachable to that level in the league, and not being at that level does not diminish you in any shape or form. You can be an extremely good wide receiver and not be Julio Jones. I think Ridley has a bright future. I think one of the issues, particularly this season, is he hasn't been utilized in the most effective way in terms of how Dirk Cutter has utilized him. A lot of the things that Steve Sarkisian, who did coach him at Alabama, was able to successfully utilize him uh, last year, they didn't really start to run those types of routes and those types of plays for Calvin Ridley until you know maybe six, seven weeks into the season. Um, and I think that's been more of an issue than really the player itself. And I think that's been one of the things that I've noticed the last several years here in Atlanta, particularly with the wide receiver position. A lot of what a wide receiver is, is not necessarily his natural ability. It's just how he is utilized within the scheme of an offense. And if a play caller and a coach knows how to utilize a guy, he can excel. And the Falcon fans saw this firsthand with a guy like Taylor Gabriel under Kyle Shanahan. And then the following year, he was complete trash relatively speaking um under Steve Sarkeesian who didn't know how to utilize him and then they bring in Ridley and basically Sarkeesian utilizes Ridley in the same ways that Shanahan used Gabriel and it works and then Cutter comes in and doesn't know how to utilize Ridley in that way and it doesn't quite work to the level that it did for most of uh, 2018 so I, I think that's more the issue and I just think people have to complain about this
0: all right, well, gentlemen, are we ready to jump into the uh the key matchups that we're we're looking for this weekend? Absolutely. All right. Well, Aaron, we will we will start with you. What is what is the key matchup that you're looking for that uh the Falcons definitely need to win if they are going to come out of week 17 victorious?
2: Well, I already mentioned Grady Jarrett. Um so I'll flip to the other side of the ball, the battle in the trenches. The Bucs really sort of I think tore the Falcons, a new one in that previous matchup where guys like Shaq Barrett and JPP and Sue and, and others were able to really dial up the pressure against Matt Ryan. And it really limited the Falcons offense. And the Falcons offensive line has gone with a little bit of a revamp. They got their first round pick and Chris Lynch from back at the right guard position. And the last couple of weeks, their offensive line has played better. Matt Ryan has looked more comfortable. He's dealt with a lot of pressure, but he's handled that pressure much better over the last couple of weeks than he has done throughout the season. Um, and I think that's going to be the key. Can they slow down Barrett, um, who tore them a new one the last time? Can the interior hold up against Sue and, and Bea and, and some of these other guys? Um, and if they can protect Matt Ryan better, then I think we'll have an opportunity to potentially find some holes in this Bucks defense where guys like Hooper and Julio Jones can can really shine.
1: All right, David, what is the key matchup that you're looking for? Um, I think it's how the Buccaneers protect Jameis Winston from guys like Vic Beasley because I know that Vic is, is kind of a, a polarizing player amongst, amongst Falcons fans, Aaron, and I think that it's kind of hot and cold on how people – want him because i mean, you know, on one hand you have the 15 and a half sack Vic Beasley and then you have the letdowns, but i mean, 8 sacks this year, he's got 4 sacks over the last 3 games and i think that if he can get in Jameis Winston's face early, it's going to help force some of those early mistakes that Jameis is known for, which of course is obviously going to play into the Falcons hands as far as trying to win, not so much as far as, the you know, we, we both fan bases have those who are playing for uh, for draft draft positions versus wins and losses. So obviously they're not going to be happy about that, but I think that's because a bunch of Shaquille Barrett is gonna is gonna potentially impact this game. I think Vic Beasley is gonna impact this game just as much, if not more, because Jameis Winston also doesn't have his targets. So there's already added pressure to him. You know, there's the last game of the year, his contract is looming, all that other crap swirling around. If Vic Beasley comes in and starts making life hard for Jameis, then things can just kind of snowball from there.
0: All right, and the uh, the key matchup that I am looking for is Jameis Winston against. Basically, the whole Falcons defense. Look, this is this is a team in the Falcons that have they have seventeen takeaways as a defense, ten interceptions, seven fumbles. Jameis Winston, we all know, and I'm going to keep harping on this probably all offseason, so just get used to it. Jameis Winston, twenty eight interceptions. The Buccaneers as a team, thirty eight total giveaways. You want to know the difference between the current number two team in the NFC South and the New Orleans Saints who have won the division and are battling for a number one seed in the playoffs. The Buccaneers have turned it over 38 times. The New Orleans Saints, a league low eight giveaways this season. So we saw what happened without his top two playmakers last week against Houston, an atrocious game four turnovers. This is a team that when when the Bucs and Falcons played in November, the very first pass that he threw was intercepted. You know, Jameis finished the day with three touchdowns and two interceptions. So the key to the Bucs winning this game, finishing the season at 500, making sure Bruce Arians does not get his first losing record as an NFL head coach is Jameis has to reel that in. He cannot be giving the ball away to the Falcons defense because as much as all of us on this podcast, just absolutely love Dirk cutter. If you give him the ball that many times, he's going to make you pay. He's going to call a competent enough game from ahead that he's going to put points up on the board. At least that was the experience with the box. It was just a matter of the defense giving the lead back. Um, so yeah, that's that's ultimately the matchup that you have to watch out for. It's Jameis against the Falcons secondary and the Falcons linebackers and protecting the football.
2: James, I really thought you were going to say Jameis against the first three minutes of the game because I, I looked oh. it up and he has <laughs> thrown seven interceptions this season in the first three minutes of the, a game. There's only been 16 picks thrown this entire year uh, in the first three minutes of a football game, and Jameis has seven of them, which is amazing. So. That was my expectation.
0: (laughs) The Buccaneers have a winning record when he does that. That's what's so wild. They have a winning record. They are, what is it now, 4-2 and on the season when Jameis throws an interception on the Buccaneers' opening possession.
2: That is wild. There you go. Imagine how good they would be if he didn't do that. Or maybe he would go the opposite direction. I'm, I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, because I mean, this isn't how this analytic actually works. I understand that. So if, if anybody out there listening is a huge analytics person, please don't crucify me on Twitter. But, I mean, the Buccaneers have turned the ball over 38 times. Uh, that's That's two and a half, almost three games worth of possessions that this team has given away over the course of the season. And they're going to finish 500 or one game below 500. So if you don't give away two and a half, three games worth of possessions to your opponent, you know what I mean? Again, it doesn't work exactly like that in the analytics department of, you know, wins added and losses and all that stuff. But it's, it's reasonable to say you're looking at two more wins, if not a little bit more. Uh, it's, it's, it's just dumbfounding.
0: I, I had somebody send me a, a graphic, you know, one of those. I, I can't remember, you know, NFL memes or whatever. And it had the leading receivers as far as touchdowns were concerned for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number one, Chris Godwin, most touchdown receptions on the team. Number two was Mike Evans. Number three was the opposing defense. Six (laughs) touchdowns thrown by Jameis Winston to opposing defenses. But those
1: aren't all on him either. either, I I don't think Aaron wants to get in that conversation,
2: though i think i think james and i had that conversation briefly on the on the last crossover we did probably
0: it's been a recurring theme all season long all right gentlemen it is that time let's go ahead and make our final score predictions for the final game of the season for either of our teams and aaron fire away you have the honors
2: I just because the Falcons won the last time they faced the Bucs in week 17, they got into a hole and then found a way to come back. And it cost them like seven draft spots and cost them a lot of Falcon fans their hopes and dreams for a great draft pick. And so I I feel like karmically that's something due for the Falcons where they will do that once again to ruin the the hopes and dreams of those uh, fans that are firm believers in in the tanking principle in the sport of football. So, I, I think the Falcons will find a way to win this game in a close one. Uh, it will go down to the wire. They'll win it 27 to 24, uh, you know, to finish this season seven and nine and, and to, you know, do whatever the things that people complain about them doing when they win these <laughs> quote unquote meaningless games.
1: All right, David. All right, so it's, it's, it's always hard to predict what Jameis Winston's going to do, right? Especially without his two best receivers. But uh, over the past four years, Jameis Winston-led Buccaneers teams has scored an average of just over 25 points in the game they played immediately following Christmas. Uh, over the same time period or time span, obviously Matt Ryan's been in the league longer, but over the same last four years... The Falcons have scored an average of 28.5 points per game, again, coming right after Christmas, which always isn't always Week 17, by the way. Only one of those quarterbacks is undefeated in that period in scoring those points, and one of those quarterbacks has beaten every team in the NFC South except for the one they're playing this weekend. So I don't know which one's going to continue going, but my prediction is that Matt Ryan is going to stay undefeated uh, playing in, in the last four years right after Christmas, and the Falcons are going to win 29-26. to
0: you know that ruins your whole entire season
1: and preseason and all of that of saying the Bucks are finishing eight. But it, it does. But I don't. I can't make predictions based off of what I want to happen. I have to make predictions based off of what I think is going to happen. And and like Aaron said, I mean, uh, he brought up he brought up exactly. You know, the, the Falcons last time they played the Buccaneers week seventeen, they beat them. Um, that was one of those games that came right after Christmas. And this game is the game coming right after Christmas. I don't know if it really matters, but. That's the route I went with determining my scores. So there it is. Falcons win by a field goal. Hopefully it's not a missed Matt Gay field goal. Oh, can we not?
0: All right. (laughs) The, The Buccaneers were in the Christmas spirit last week, giving gift after gift after gift. I don't. I don't know if I don't think it'll happen again this week, or if I just so desperately don't want it to happen two weeks in a row. David, can you imagine the shows we're going to have to do all off
1: season if Jameis has back to back like four interception games? We're just gonna we're gonna go back and forth playing good Jameis, bad Jameis, and like so every Monday I'll hate Jameis and you'll love him, and then every Tuesday you'll love Jameis and I'll hate him. I think I just uh, said the same thing twice, actually. It's gonna be the worst. It's gonna be the worst. So I feel like. The Bucs
0: are going to figure out how to get this done. If nothing else, it will come on the back of an emerging tandem at corner that has the potential, yes, the potential to be one of the best duos in the NFL if they keep the upwards trajectory that they are on. It's going to come on the back of Shaq Barrett breaking the franchise record for sacks in a season. It's going to come down to the defense, and I think in the end, they will do just enough to get the job done. I will take the Bucks
1: 24 to 20. We all have relatively similar score predictions, which I find interesting. Yes,
0: a little bit. So, yeah. all right. Well, gentlemen, that will do it for the final crossover of the 2019 season and the 2019 calendar year. Uh, Aaron, where can everybody find everything that you're doing about the
2: Atlanta Falcons? Of course, they can find it on the daily Atlanta Falcons podcast called Locked on Falcons. You guys might have heard of it. And, of course, they can do so on Twitter. I'm at Falcfans. That's F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. All
0: right. And, of course, you can find everything that David and I are doing over at Bucksnation.com. Com. You can follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. For those of you that have enjoyed our ongoing series of David Harrison review Star Wars, stay tuned. We do have our weekly review coming up, but for the rest of you, this is your exit. Hope you all had an absolutely outstanding holiday with all of your family and friends. Hope you have an incredible weekend to end the year on. And we thank you all so much for joining us right here on Crossover Fridays. sixth installment of david Review star wars because we really didn't talk about a new hope uh but it is time for D- for david to enter the disney era the sequel era of star wars and talk episode seven star wars the force awakens so david right out of the gate initial thoughts on the uh the wonderful film, I Enjoy Thoroughly, directed by J.J. Abrams, that kickstarted the Disney era of Lucasfilm. I felt like they didn't know how to
1: start the new trilogy, and so they just basically copy-pasted the beginning of episode four, not really in hopes, I mean, I don't think they really hope that nobody would notice, because it's kind of hard not to notice, but I think, I don't know, if they were questioned on it, they probably were like, oh, that was to pay homage to, you know what I mean, like the whole beginning of the series, and I feel like it's cop-out. I don't know, I just... <sighs> I, I didn't like the beginning, I'll tell you that. Like, just the whole, I mean, the whole thing. Like, you start off with a bunch of rebels. I mean, are they they're, are they called the Rebellion now still? I can't remember. Well, that um, that particular village was not. Yeah. You start off with, say, so you start off with like the good guys, right? And they're doing their thing, and then the bad guy shows up, and in the ensuing skirmish, a droid makes off with the super valuable secret and stumbles upon a kid who is basically a nobody, um, and nobody barely pays attention to them. And then throughout the course of the movie, it turns out that that person is actually really super special. And helps the secret get to exactly where it needs to go through a series of dumb luck and and whatever coincidences. And then they save the day and the the kid that was worthless in the beginning turns out to be the hero and is the focus of the series moving forward. Um, obviously, because I've already watched episode eight and then she's all over the poster. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just... I don't know, man. Like it was copy paste episode four to episode seven, but we're gonna tweak some things here. Like instead of instead of the droid being a trash can that wobbles, it's gonna be a ball because we have better CGI capabilities and better uh uh technology to, to use and and all that. Um so that's that was the initial thought was just it, it was just lazy. Like the idea was lazy. JJ caught a
0: lot of flack. For essentially quote unquote rebooting uh, episode four. Now I don't I, I I get that there are similarities. Um I don't think it's a full on rehash, but if if I were to view it as a rehash of episode four, it's a way better version of episode four because I don't like a new hope. It's kind of boring. And I I prefer the way the way JJ approached it. Now, how early on did you realize that Kylo Ren was the son of Han and Leia, or did you not get it until Snoke said something?
1: Yeah, whenever they said that he was like, okay, he yeah. So you didn't- I didn't think that he was connected uh like i didn't think he was like biologically connected to to everything else uh until that moment
0: okay cuz yeah in that opening scene jj lays it on pretty thick that kylo ren comes from <clears throat> comes from somebody you know, you have the the whole conversation between kylo and San Santeco, which is the old guy and uh you know he says you know the the first order rose from the dark side you did not uh, and you cannot deny the truth that is your family. And I knew oh, yeah. you back before you were Kylo Ren. Um, so y- he lays it on pretty thick that he's related to somebody that we that we knew. And I kind of figured from that it wasn't going to be Luke. If anything, it would have been Han and Leia, which of course it it ended up being. Um, but let's this is this is something I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. since since we reviewed return of the jedi
2: mm-hmm.
0: because we, Which we was return of the jedi episode six the third old one yes okay. because you had you had mentioned almost in passing that Oh, we're just going to create another super weapon to destroy planets because we can't come up with anything original. So we're just going to copy the big weapon from episode four. Yeah. And then what did they do in episode seven? We get Star they have a Killer super Base.
1: Planet that's a weapon and kills ba- planets. Yeah.
0: Yes. Now, I told you back then. That mm-hmm. I had a little bit of an argument that I felt would make sense that might help you accept that a little bit more. And being that you're in the military I have a I f- feeling
1: I know what that is and I'm not gonna like it.
0: What what do you think it is? No, I'll just go for it. I'll tell you if I'm if I'm right or not. Okay. I'll be honest. Throughout, you know, history basically, mm-hmm. it's not so much that things New things get invented all the time. It's always improving on previous weaponry, I guess right. is, is the best way to say it. So you're you're constantly looking to upgrade things that have already been created. And that's kind of the way that I viewed the Death Star 2. And then again with Star Killer base. Like you had you had the Death Star that could destroy one planet mm-hmm. and it got blown up. And then you created the Death Star 2, which again, it was bigger. It was more powerful, but it could still only blow up one planet at a time. Then you get to Starkiller Base that powers itself by sucking the energy out of the sun, and it can blow up entire systems at once. And it doesn't need to travel the way the Death Star did. It stays in one location. It's a planet. It, you know, the weapon was put in the core of a planet. And it can shoot completely across the galaxy to destroy these star systems. So to me, it was the natural progression of the biggest and baddest weapon that Star Wars created.
1: Yeah. And I get what you're saying, like with the whole military thing, like you have, you know, like you you start with planes that can fly and carry a payload. But they're not really the greatest in a dogfight because they're not the most agile, you know, vehicles in the world. So then you come up with a j- fighter jet that's agile, but it can also carry a payload and all that stuff. But it's easily detected on radar. So you come up with a stealth stealth vehicle and then you come up. I got it. But that's real life. Here's the thing. This is a movie. It's science <laughs> fiction and fantasy or science fiction. I, I, I don't know if it's w- what it's really classified as. I I think science fantasy, because
0: science yeah. fiction uh, you know, tries to stick within the limits of
1: science, and Star Wars most certainly does not. No, it definitely does not. So there's definitely a, a, a fantasy aspect to it. So when you're writing a fantasy script, you are restricted by absolutely nothing except for yourself and your ability to connect the dots for your audience. And that's where, like, so I get what you're saying. And actually, that's not where I thought you were going to go. Where I thought you were going to go was that Kylo Ren is essentially obsessed with impressing his dead grandfather, who it's already been established as a spirit form, actually comes back to being the good dude. So it really wouldn't make sense for Kylo Ren to try to impress Darth Vader grandpa because Darth Vader grandpa is no longer in existence from my understanding. Um, Anyway, so that so that doesn't make sense for one. Um, but that that's where I thought you were going to go with, you know, he basically was like, hey, look, granddad, I recreated your weapon, but it's bigger and better because I'm learning from you and building on what you did. And I would say that's great. But the problem with that I would have had is that he's not Darth Vader, like in in the same status. You know what I mean? Like like Darth Vader and Palpatine, like that was. That was one in 1A, you know what I mean? And the general or whatever that was in the first set of movies bowed to Lord Vader. Like Everybody was scared of Darth Vader, and he ran the show when he was on the ship. But the Admiral General, whatever, and uh, Kylo Ren definitely have kind of a peer-to-peer competition thing going on with Snoke. Oh,
2: they, they got go- beef.
1: Yeah, so that really doesn't make any sense from that aspect. So I was going to shoot that off of the holes. Um, as far as like the whole getting better, that does actually make sense. Like if if JJ is like, okay, well, the natural progression, military history, you know, uh, superpowers like to create bigger and better weapons or bigger and better versions of what they already have. So what's the next progression of the Death Star? I get what you're saying. Here's the problem I have. When you do that, you do it to address a weakness, right? And I go back to the plane analogy. Um, you have you know your your like your fighter planes from like World War One, World War II eras, and it turns into your your fighter jets that you know Tom Cruise made famous or whatever. and then you have that and you go to your your stealth bombers and so on and so forth. and now we've got our unmanned or our uh, unmanned aerial items and, and planes and all that stuff. Here's the problem. every single one of those addresses a weakness. Why is it that every really big circle weapon that the empire or the first order, or whatever the bad guy creates, literally has the same weakness there's one room in this monstrosity of a construction thing and that room holds it all together if the good guys get in that room it can take everything apart why is it that one why is it two not only does it exist but the bad guys don't seem to understand that it exists like you made the thing but you don't seem to understand that your one vulnerability in this entire thing is in this room and that if the good guys get in this room you're Ooh, you're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the good guys have figured it out. The good guys who didn't build it, who have to spy on it and get secret plans and information and intel, they figure it out pretty quickly. But the bad guys who made it don't seem to get this because if that's me, I'm putting a million and one stormtroopers around that sucker. Like you are going to have, like you are never getting in that room. Number one. Number two, if I'm rebuilding this thing, I'm putting all my power sources all over the place, so that if you take out one, you got to take out the other. There's not just one room where if you get in this room, the whole thing just blows up and we're done. Like, so that's the problem I have with the natural progression of things. That's what JJ was going for. Is that's kind of how military history works. Got it. But everything you make that progresses from from the last one addresses a weakness the last one had doesn't maintain the same weakness and then just make it bigger that, that doesn't make any any sense um so i get what you're saying what you're saying i'm saying the writers just did it wrong because and that's that's what i mean like that's where it comes across to me as lazy is like uh okay like i get like so the beginning of the movie you know what i mean it's not like a senator or because there because there was still the senate right because that's what they blew up in the on the with uh the Death Star, whatever, what's it called? What, Star Killer Base. Yeah, it, it wasn't base. a Senate. It
0: was the new of the headquarters Republic. Of
1: the, yeah, there you go. The, they, there was a new Republic, or whatever. So they could have, like, if JJ wanted to copy and paste Episode Four, he could have been like, "Oh, look, the leaders of the Republic are running away from you know whatever because they have the secret." Okay, God, he didn't do that. He did, you know, this this like this base camp or whatever where. You know uh, Poe is and and has this information in BB two or whatever, BB eight. Um, so BB eight. That's what I said. So there's a little bit of difference there. <laughs> um, and then like literally, so what is it, Jakku? Right? Yes. Isn't that the same planet that Anakin was on? No, that was Tatooine. Where was? What about Luke? Tatooine. Okay, so they did go to a different planet. At least yes. I thought they went to the same stinking planet. I was like, really? really? That was okay that was another one of the kind of the complaints. Like you
0: have all these untapped markets as far as planets that you can go to. Why are we yeah. getting another desert planet?
1: Yeah. Cause even if but, it wasn't the same one, it was definitely very reminiscent of the same yeah. one. And then like, I understand she's not building things and fixing things. She's scrapping and all that, but, but it's very similar. Like her, her talents seem very similar. Her mentality seems very similar and that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. I was like, that's where my main complaint of that movie comes in. Is this? It's just it's way too much. Like it's way too much. That is similar. Like you can take movies and have like a moment here or there that's similar, and it's kind of like, ah, oh, look, that's cool that they incorporated that. But this thing literally, I mean, it just it just takes it to to a different extreme. I think. Yeah, I just. I just I just don't like it. I mean, I guess the welcome change I had that I thought was, was good is that in this one, the bad guy is the the idiot for lack of a better term. And <laughs> the hero is actually heroic. Like so that was kind of a welcome change, like instead of you know, Luke Skywalker clutzing around, lucking into all of his success and legendary superstar status that people want to emulate for years, uh, years and years to come now it's this the superhero you know she is a superhero but she you know she finds the thing she takes action she's she's a very decisive person she's like okay i know like she realizes what she has like it wasn't just by luck you know like i feel like if this is luke that when 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 she went up to the the scrap guy or whatever and he offers her all the credits or whatever he offers her that luke would have been like oh man that's great i can or not Luke. Uh, Anakin would have been like, oh, man, that's great. I can charge up my my space pod or whatever. I can buy my mom's freedom or whatever. And Luke uh, would have done it. I don't know because he's just stupid. And <laughs> somehow, some way, like some something would have happened. And in the ruckus, the droid would have come back to him and been like, no, hey, dude, I'm supposed to be with you. And then the guy who bought him is like, oh. You, street rat, because now you're Aladdin. You stole my robot. How dare you kill him? And he's like, no, no, I didn't steal your robot. Please don't kill me. But in the midst, I'm going to run away with this robot that I didn't steal because that'll convince you I didn't steal him. And then it's like, oh, man, look how Luke just stumbled into being a hero. But this time, Ray is like, I found this droid. It seems important. I have this opportunity to get rich off of it. You know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to purposely keep this thing and piss you off and then I'm going to purposely get away from you and then I'm going to pur- like she's doing things on purpose. Uh like she's a hero because she intended to be a hero. Now I understand that you know she kind of goes through and like re- you know it or whatever and all that but I mean if you had a bunch of dead white dudes popping up into your your memory, you would probably resist it too. Um and then Kylo Ren like I don't know, he's just like the sniveling child of a bad guy who just like I don't know. He's he's the Luke Skywalker of bad guys. Well, I mean, that is his uncle. Yeah. I like Kylo. I,
0: I I like him and I get what you're saying. Trust me, I do. Um Yeah, you know, I think sometimes he was a little much, but Yeah, like all the him- time him being able to get completely unhinged so quickly i think is what made him even more dangerous because he was unpredictable whereas vader was always very calm calculated he let loose when he had to but something as simple as just force choking a dude across a table because he you know disagreed with with vader you know that's not what kylo does kylo you know i i go back to when Ray gets let out of the restraints Mm -hmm. and Kylo goes back in there and they're gone and he's just going to town with his lightsaber and you see the two stormtroopers walk around the corner, hear it turn around and leave because he, he is so unpredictable. And I think the, the unpredictable villains are the ones that can be the most dangerous Joker Joker's unpredictable and he's,
1: Mm-hmm. One of the greatest villains ever. So okay. again, I'm okay. I'm not
0: trying to talk you into it. I'm just saying from but, my perspective, that's one yeah. of the reasons I like him so much.
1: I get what you're saying. And I understand this is Disney. So I'm gonna give it a benefit of the doubt in that. But here's the difference. Joker has Batman and Batman, you know, convinces or gets his way out of the restraints and runs away or whatever. Joker shoots the bad guy in the face that let him get away. Joker doesn't oh. Yeah, throw paint I, around the room and whine like a sniveling brat who just had their toy taken away the way that Kylo Ren like he pulls his lightsaber out and just starts hacking away at walls and computers and like I, it was just, it was a temper tantrum like it was, it was, just, it was absolutely. just a temper tantrum and again I get it as Disney I get that I don't know if it was PG or PG 13 but it's PG-13. you know yeah like you want to keep it I mean if they decapitate a stormtrooper you know like is i gonna fly with the sensors and does that really fit with disney's thing i got it so i get what you're saying and i get that within the constraints of what disney does you know probably didn't have too many options but it just again um being 37 and watching that i just like you you don't you don't elicit evil or fear or or anything you just you're just sad like he's just a sad pathetic bad guy Uh, Wow, the bad guy that turned out to be the more impressive bad guy was the fake Nazi dude. Oh, General Uh, Hux. Yeah, like, he turned out to be more impressive as a evil villain or whatever, even though he's still, like, just comical in his uh, just blatant Hitler similarities.
0: Well, and George Lucas said that the Empire, when he did the original trilogy, was straight up based on the Nazi regime. Like, that was how he viewed...
2: Oh, the Empire, fine.
0: so that was that was the route that, of course, J.J. continued to go with. I, I do... I enjoy the Huck's speech, you know, when... right before they shoot off the weapon, that it has serious Hitler vibes,
1: but it was a little over the top, but... It was way uh, over the top. Like, it was comical. Like, I actually started laughing and... Yeah um i actually had my wife come in the room because she didn't want to watch it so she was doing other stuff and i actually had her come in the room and watch it like i rewound it and made her watch it and she started laughing i was like 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 the you know the hitler undertones and the and the third right undertones and all the stuff at the empire that's that's fine but it was done at least in that fashion in a subtle way like inspired by not a again not a replica of and yeah this was what this did was just i mean even the salute like i understand it's a little yeah. bit different but like are you serious right now? Like so first of all, Finn would never be a stormtrooper. Just, just throwing that out there because he's a minority. Well, he, you're you're close. You're close. I'll give
0: you that. Here's how the Empire and the First Order works. You notice they don't have any non-humans in their regimes. They don't have any kind of aliens or anything. I guess,
1: yeah. Okay, I that's that's how they view so it. that's their it, yes, uh, whatever it is, their prejudice, I guess is yes. Okay, I got you. I get you. But yeah, so just again, that was just over the top. Um, I don't know, man, like I, 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 I like I see what you're saying, and I did appreciate the fact that uh, episode seven got going faster than episode four did. Mm-hmm. Um, episode four is definitely more of a story leading to action, whereas episode seven is very much action picking up from where action left off. You know what I mean? So I did appreciate that. No wrong. I mean, we, we talk a lot about what I didn't like and I get it. Um, but I did like the movie. I just, those were the things that bothered me from, you know, from, from a, from a viewing standpoint, but it wasn't poorly done. I mean, well, like I said, the, the, the Nazi stuff was comical. Kylo Ren is a, is a trash villain. Um, but like the actor who played Kylo Ren, Adam did driver. Well, yeah. Oh, so he's either so he's a sniveling brat in real life or he plays one really well. No, um, he's like an Academy award nominated actor. Like
0: he's yeah, go. real good.
1: So he did it really well. So like it fit, like with Hayden Christensen, you know, like what he was doing as Anakin didn't fit. It just, it like, it just didn't work. You know what I mean? But what uh, would you say? Adam driver? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like what he did is Kylo Ren. Like it, it were Like I believe that's who Kylo Ren is. Like I'm, I'm down. Like I, I understand you, but you're a punk ass. Like I just, yeah.
0: See, and I think he got a little bit better in eight, but. I'm talking about eight. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. I mean, we can talk time. about eight. Now we'll we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that next week, but right. with with of course eight you have something that was done that has never been done in Star Wars. And that is eight picks up literally minutes after seven. Usually there's some kind of time jump. And with that, there wasn't. So episode seven and eight together happens over the span of a couple of days. Now heading into nine, you have over a year in between eight and nine. And I, I already like Kylo. And I'll just tell you this, no spoilers for Nine. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not going to spoil the movie. All I will say is that this was by far, and I mean leaps and bounds exponentially, Adam Driver's best performance in Star Wars, and it might be the best performance of the entire movie.
1: He's so good in Nine. So good. So I have something to say, but it's, it has to do with Episode 8, so I will refrain until we okay. talk about Episode 8. All
0: right, well, sticking with Kylo, let's talk about, of course, the other big moment in 7. How heartbreaking was it to see him run his
1: father through with a lightsaber? Oh, that's, that's BS. I hate that dude so much right now. And that's exactly what like they that's wanted. That's Crap! That is such garbage. Yeah, no, I definitely have like a like a guttural hatred of that character because of that, because it's such a cowardly thing to do, and all it did was make him even more childish. Like I understand, like killing is is not a childish thing to do, but the f- the the way he did it, how he did, it, like it was just it was just terrible, and the fact that he did it not because. He's actually evil, not because he's he's you know like I get he's got some anger and he's got some whatever lack of control and angst and you know betrayed uh you know he was he was betrayed or whatever and all that crap, got it, but he is not evil, like he's not evil the way the Palpatine is evil, he's not evil the way that they portrayed Darth Vader to be until you know he turned there at the end uh. I just, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. If he is, I haven't seen it yet. He's, he's just, he's, uh, it it looks to me like a guy who is literally, he's trying to impress. uh, He's trying to impress somebody in his family who, and, and by being something that he's not like, it just, it, it feels fake. And I don't, I don't, I don't say that in a way of like Adam driver. Like like I said, he does the character really well, but the character feels fake to me. It Um, almost feels like he's
0: trying to convince himself. He is this person.
1: Yeah. yeah, like it's it's, and that's the thing. And then he kills Han, Han Solo because then it'll prove to everybody that I'm evil. No, it won't. It'll prove that you're a punk, and that's all it did is is prove that you're a punk. And uh, I don't know. Like he he uh, he deserved to go out better than that. I suppose I will say. on uh, and and Chewie's scream when it happens is just. Yeah, I want to see Chew. I want to see Chewbacca like rip him limb from limb and then feed him his own toes and fingers. Uh, but that was
0: that was Uncle Chewie you got to think I mean when when Ben was a little kid I mean he was sitting in Chewie's lap and and Chewie was running around and playing with him like that's what makes it all the more heartbreaking is that all of these characters that we grew to love you know throughout the original trilogy you know they were big parts of of Ben's life off off screen and yeah. and before he became Kylo so it really is heartbreaking that he he turns on his parents he turns on chewie he turns on luke um you know because that's that's his family and it's just it's it's gut wrenching but um okay any other any other points that you want to hit on as far as the force awakens is concerned
1: yeah and i i wrote you this while I was watching i absolutely despise the fact that the first order and snoke came from nowhere like uh Kylo, you know I get it like they they talk about his past and they talk about his parents and where he came from. So there's backstory there. I mean, I know you don't see it, like you don't get to see him coming up, you know, like you said like Uncle Chewie like you don't get to see him playing on the Millennium Falcon with his dad and with Chewie and with mom becoming, you know, going through the ranks and becoming a general and all this other stuff. Like you don't get to visibly see it. I got it, but they provide that backstory to. you They provide you the how did we get here moments. And that's important I feel like. And you know with with four, five, and six, I got it, like you know, like you said, when they made episode four, they didn't realize they were gonna get episode five and six, so you know episode four was basically designed to be a self contained movie and and I think it achieved that. I feel like like your complaints about it I think it would have been better had they known they had three movies to tell the story, you know right, but that's you, know, you can't you can't you can't change that um and then five and six are done well to kind of go along but in that original trilogy like you don't need necessarily the full backstory because this is the story you know you know what i mean but when you talk about sequels like have you have you ever seen like have you seen the creed movies no i don't know if you're into rocky i want to see the creed movies i just never got around to it well there you go maybe we'll have to take turns maybe i'll, I'll have to make you watch the creed movies have you seen oh, the, all the rockies and stuff Yes, Rocky Five did
0: not happen. It was replaced by Rocky Balboa.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of them get kind of stupid, obviously, (laughs) but uh, like when, like, imagine going to Creed. Like, imagine. Well, you can't. Um, I don't know. Think of another movie that's got sequels to it. Fast and the Furious. No, those movies are stupid. Yes, they are. I don't know, man. Harry Potter. I've never seen them. (laughs) Maybe that's going to be what we do next year. No, it's not. Sorry, it's absolutely not going to happen. Um, right. I tried it's it's not happening um, I only watched him because Lindsay loved those
0: so I, I started yeah. watching him when she and I got together
1: okay so so how about this imagine watching Iron Man the very okay. first Iron Man. imagine watching Iron Man and opening scene is Iron Man flying in and saving New York City that's how the storyline starts okay you're not going to be nearly as invested as a viewer, as a fan, as any of it from that standpoint. Like, like if, if that's where you meet these people is like, here's Iron Man, the very first movie. And it's opening with Iron Man, save New York City. And we go from there till the end of the series until, you know, the end of what is it called? Like Generation One or something. Oh, uh, f- are you talking about the Marvel phase phases or whatever? Yeah, phase one. Yeah. So like that's where it starts. That's how you meet. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in the suit, saving New York City uh, along with Captain America and the Hulk against Loki. And boom, go. That's garbage. Like, there's got to be a backstory, and I understand. Like, every every fan of Marvel would have been like, "Oh yeah, well, the backstory in the comics is this and this and this and that." God, but when you're watching the movie, you want to you want to get that. You don't have that in this movie. Like, you get it with Kylo, got it. You don't get it with Ray. I feel like that's done intentionally, and I feel like. In this newest movie, you get all that. So eventually, it's going to come. But see, this is why I shouldn't have watched episode eight until I watched episode <laughs> until we did this because I know already you don't get a backstory on snow. Right. Like I went into episode eight hoping to get backstory, and you don't because the dude is old as hell. Like he's been around. So what were you doing? When Palpatine was going down, what were you doing when Darth Vader was going down? What were you doing when Luke was coming up? What were you doing? When Anakin was coming up like, where were you at, bro? You know what I mean? And like, how did you get like, obviously you weren't part of those stories. So I would imagine you were in a different system or galaxy far, far away or whatever. But fine. Where were you? What were you doing? How'd you get evil? You know what I mean? Like, do you come from a place where evil is actually the way of life? And the good people are considered bad, you know what I mean it's like a, kind of like an upside down world or something I don't know. Are you the bad guy in uh stranger things like i don't like I don't know give me something you know what I mean don't tell me that this 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 gigantic hologram old dude with the deformed face just poof new bad guy you know what i mean like there's there's it bothers the it it bothers me more than it should. I know it does, but it just it's because it's a sequel like again, you watch four, five and six. You don't know, you know. Okay, so you find out that Vader is is Luke's dad, and you're like, "Whoa!" There's more to the story. Like, how did this happen? I want to know that. Okay, you want to know it, but you can watch that though that three that trilogy without ever finding out, and you're okay. Now you give us the pre the prequels, got it? And now you fill in the blanks. It's like, oh man, okay. While the movie, some of the movies, you know, were were you know had left some things to be desired and all that. You're happy knowing the story. Like, I'm happier as a Star Wars quote unquote fan understanding that you know this is how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader and uh so I want to know now in the same vein where Snoke came from because as much as Kylo Ren's history with Luke and the force and all that stuff is important to why he's the way that he is right now so is so is Snoke because if if Kylo Ren is is doing all this stuff in the, in this movie to try to impress Darth Vader's memory spirit whatever you want to call it, then Snoke in a way probably represents Palpatine to him. Okay, well how did that happen? Like I don't like when, when like when Kylo Ren got betrayed by Luke. Did he just like did he just or betrayed Luke Skywalker? Did he just like go to like I don't know bad guys online and like join a chat room. It was like young apprentice looking for an evil master. You know what I mean? Like
0: it's well, uh, that, that does get touched on a little bit in passing in the force awakens. When Leia mentions that it was Snoke that manipulated Ben Snoke had already. It's episode eight. No, it's mentioned in seven.
1: It's mentioned. Yeah, no, I'm trying to keep it straight. Yeah, I know. I like, I remember they mentioned that he had already like by the time, You know, that Luke did what he did and and Kylo did what he did and, you know, uh, turned his back on his family. The Snoke had already gotten his grips on him. And I I understand. But but how? Why? When? Where? From from what? Like, where did this come from? Like, we see how Palpatine did it. Like, Palpatine did it as a regular Joe hiding his evil to a young, impressionable guy. You know, hey, I'm going to feed into your ego while you have all this teenager angsty stuff going on. And I'm going to drive. I'm going to use the thing you love most against you without you knowing about it until it's too late and I'm going to force you to turn on my side. God, it's like classic brainwashing techniques. So how does Snoke do it?
0: Well, and that's that's kind of the cloudiness of being able to watch the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy in the fashion that you did. Because if you think about if you think about the original trilogy, isolated. Mm-hmm you don't know that there is an emperor in four and I got it. You, you mentioned it. it at the time. They thought it was probably only going to be a standalone movie, right? In empire strikes back, you get a hologram of the emperor and his name is never even mentioned. Right. The only reference that there is, is my master and the emperor. Yeah. In six, you get to see the Emperor, you see Vader turn on him, all that stuff. I think the term Emperor Palpatine is mentioned one time. Right.
1: Yeah, because he's Uh, not really a central figure to the first three movies.
0: Right. But there was no backstory on where he came from, how he got Darth Vader, anything like that, for 16 years. It wasn't until... It it wasn't until the the prequel trilogy began in 99... That we got any of that information.
1: So and that's fine it, as a standalone story. Like, like if Creed was the original movies, right? Like let's let's imagine the Rocky saga, whatever you want to call it, goes the way that Star Wars goes. If that if that happens, then Creed is the original two, two movies. So it's not three. So it's the original two movies. And if you watch Creed and it's, you know, I mean, you know, you know the story. So if you watch Creed, it's like young boxer. Coached up by an older boxer, calls him Unc. Obviously, his dad is dead, so there's a connection there. Okay, got it. And then what happens in the movie happens. That that can be fine. That can be fine. Like you you can live with that. But, and that's where I have a problem. Like so, going in the order that they're going now, now we're moving into the future, but we're moving with you now. Like in the, in the very in the very beginning, we started with Darth Vader and we started with Luke Skywalker because that's just where we started there was no anything before that. Like that's just where the story picks up. Not every story begins at birth. You know what I mean? So I understand that. So watching four five and six is fine. If they had done a prequel. So if they had done one, two and three and didn't explain how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader or, you know, Emperor Palpatine, like he didn't even have to be in the entire first three movies, but if he didn't at least somehow, some way come into power somewhere, in the whole movie that would have been like, I would have had just as much gripe with that as I do with this, because now you're telling me what happened before and what led to Luke, Darth Vader and, and, you know, the emperor, the master, whatever, getting into this huge, you know, uh, monumental conflict. So if you're going to go back, tell me how those things happened. Don't tell me a different story. Tell me how those things happened. So now that we're moving forward, don't just throw another, you know, big evil bad guy at me and say, here you go. New generation. There's your bad guy. Don't ask any questions. Cause like, what are we going to get now? Like, are we going to get, so now that episode nine is done, are we going to get episode like six and a half, you know, six and a half, six and three quarters and six and, and nine eighths. Like, and it's going to explain where Snow came from. Like that would, that would be garbage. You know what yeah. I mean? So, so having it in the four five and six is acceptable. And then having the prequels, they filled in the, the blanks, you know, acceptable, but now moving forward to just throw, throw just to throw characters at you with no backstory is just garbage. Especially when they're principal to the storyline. Like every other character has a backstory. Every other character gets backstory, except for Snoke, and except for Ray, because it's intentional. But you feel and, that it's intentional. This this
0: isn't a viewpoint or a feeling that is isolated to you like a lot of people feel this way a lot of people did feel this way a lot of people will continue to feel this way they have filled in some of those gaps in books and comics which i understand that's not something that you are going to dive into that's for people like me that are completely obsessed and and we try to absorb as much uh star wars content as possible in all mediums but for the general movie going public that are going to go see episodes 7 8 9 in the theaters that doesn't satisfy their questions i totally get it now again no spoilers but you you do hear about snoke a little bit in 9
1: i want to know where he came from like who is that dude cuz and and <sighs> Like he's deformed. Like honestly, you know who I thought he was going to be? Oh, there were so many theories. I thought but he was the guy that Palpatine thing. killed. Mace Windu. Yeah, that was one of the big theories. Honestly, it really Cause was. Because he always talks about like there was one Sith Lord who figured out how to cheat death and da da da, da and then I killed him. Well, he didn't say I killed him, but his apprentice. Oh, you
0: him. mean Darth Plagueis? Mace yeah, Windu
1: was Samuel L. Jackson. Oh no 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 yeah no I thought he was the the Sith Lord that Palpatine
0: killed Palpatine's master Darth Plagueis.
1: Yeah. I thought he was going to be him. And basically like he cheated death, but because Palpatine killed him so good, it took a really long time for him to really be able to get, you know, strong again and come back. And you know, the reason he's so deformed is he essentially had to like inch by inch piece himself back together. And then when Palpatine died and Darth Vader turned on him, basically he saw it as his opportunity to come back uncontested and get a new apprentice. You know what I mean? Like, And that could have made sense. That was one of the big theories. For real, it was. And I was so pissed when I didn't get answers.
0: I want answers, James. I have them for you, but I I can't give them to you
1: until after Saturday. I need answers. And I want to know who Ray is the spawn of. Because Okay. Ooh, perfect. Now, this this was a a hotly
0: debated topic Mm. for the last five years ever since the force awakens came out who are raised parents who are raised parents who are raised parents so tell me who you think raised parents are at this point i have no idea
1: (laughs) okay so i thought i I messaged you you. forget that you watched episode eight well no i mean it was episode seven uh right
0: after watching seven, who did you think her parents were? Because you did, you did text me that like immediately, like oh, that was she's, she's someone special.
1: Yeah. I thought she was uh, Han Solo's and Leia's daughter. Okay. But that was she, during she seven. was, she was Kylo's
0: twin brother or twin sister something. No, or
1: I thought that, uh, I thought that she, cause remember, cause I like she, she, very early on in the movie, uh, I messaged you and I said, what I can't remember who I said Kylo was though I said that she was Hans and Leia's daughter. who did I say Kylo run was? I don't remember. I'm scrolling through our conversation, oh God, that'll take you a week through the magic of editing. It will literally take me a second. Oh never mind, okay that was that was way too much time for literally nothing. What I wrote was so. I wrote Kyle Ren, not Kylo Ren. So Kylo Ren is a petulant child. Probably. Leia and Han. Yeah, that was probably
0: autocorrect. They changed it from Kylo to Kyle.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought that she was going to be Han Solo's and Leia's daughter and essentially that they like cast her away because they didn't want her getting sucked into the life because they saw what it did to Anakin and uh, you know with Luke being gone and vanished like you know what I mean? It's like. Basically, it's like it's like the old grizzled army guy that doesn't want their kids joining the army, which is me. Um, so that's basically what I thought was happening. And then they said you know, they came out with that Kylo was actually their kid. And I remember saying to you, like, I swear if they do the separated twins thing again, I'm going to lose my crap. Um, <laughs> I didn't say crap. But so I so as much as I could see it coming. I was like, no, no, like that's like that's a level of copy paste that you can't do. Um, because like the rest of it, you could say it was an homage, you know, it was in honor of the, the original trilogy and a throwback. Got it. You do the separated twins again. You're just lazy and should never work again, period. You know what I mean? So I can't see that happening at this point. If she's not Hans and Leia's daughter and not having seen episode eight, like the only other thing I could really wrap my head around is that maybe she's Luke's, but Luke doesn't ever have a love interest and like, I don't know when he vanished. I understand like these movies are years and years apart or whatever, but like at some point in time he vanished. I can't see him having a daughter and then banishing her to this trash Island to go back and teach Jedi that aren't his kids. Like it's just, it's, it's weird to me and I'm going through like the rest of the cast that we know because I assume she's coming from somewhere we know because I swear if they're like, Oh, she's the spawn of this random Jedi character and this other one that you've never met before that we just created because here's your movie. I'm going to throw stuff at the screen. Like I'm going to throw stuff at the movie screen. I'm going to get arrested probably. Um, So that better not be it, but I'm going through the list of characters. Obi-Wan maybe like, did he have a wife?
0: No, no. Obi-Wan did not have a wife. He did have a, a love interest kind of in the animated show, the clone Wars. Yeah, which is not allowed. It's not the Um, order. and then Luke had a love. Like Luke guns? Uh, well the the timeline wouldn't match up because you know, and and to help you kind of put this in perspective, Ray is ten years younger than than Ben Solo. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, they don't look it. Um, well, that's because Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley are not ten years apart, but the characters of Kylo younger? Ren yes so oh, um, that?
1: like i not like i, <laughs> like, oh, I have no face. idea man so yeah the, <laughs> the okay.
0: timeline of qui-gon definitely does not match up because yeah, qui-gon died when when anakin was nine yeah, um like obi-wan's old as hell yes now luke did have a wife but that storyline is considered legends which means it is not part of the canon it is not part of the official Star Wars storyline but I will say this I don't think she's Luke's daughter though there to me there is no possible way to explain Rey being Luke or Leia's daughter without making Luke or Leia seem like the worst human beings on
1: planet Earth you can't do it you cannot do it. And and they wouldn't like again. I already kind of talked about like if if she was Luke's daughter, like it doesn't make sense for him to stash her somewhere and then go train these other jet like especially with would- Uncar Plot.
0: Like you're gonna leave him leave her with like one of the worst dudes out there who makes her scrape the remnants of a Star Destroyer for food
1: every day. Like
0: that's right.
1: no, you can't do that. And I mean there's no yeah, that's too old anyway. I was gonna say there's no like gap between Anakin becoming Darth Vader to where he like turns evil, goes out and just hooks up with baby mamas, and you know what I mean. Is like spreading the dark side everywhere. Um, F-
0: feel free to to edit this part out, but I'm pretty sure Anakin's um, cash and prizes got burned off when he
1: fell into the <laughs> fire pit yeah, exactly. fighting Obi Wan. So that's not a thing. <laughs> I mean. Maybe, like, well, no, because, that. I mean, I guess if you wanted to get, but still, it would, it would really kind of piss me off. I mean, you could connect the dots, but it would kind of piss me off. Like, maybe, like, Anakin. So, because Anakin's mom got married to the other dude. Maybe they had a kid that you just didn't see. And because, because Anakin's mom had given birth to a Jedi, like, that ability... Like it like absorbs into her kind of, I guess. So she passed it on and then that is the next, like that's like kind of the branch of the DNA and that's where she comes from. I don't know that, that again, you'd have to connect those dots or else they would just feel really lazy. So they'd have to connect those dots and they haven't, uh, I don't, I don't see how they're going to connect those dots at this point. I I mean, if I'm pushed into an answer, it would, it's gotta be, Obi-Wan, but I mean, he's too old. I mean, they are coming out with an Obi-Wan series. I mean, you know the answer, so I just do know the at answer at this point, but and everybody who's seen it ha- is now laughing at me, but whatever, man. So th- those that's that's where my mind is at right now. We'll All find right. out. And so. Yeah. For those of you listening, this
0: should go without saying don't tweet David and tell him anything about
1: episode nine. Yeah, i'll like, block you come on. i don't block people i will flat. i will legit block yeah. you the dude's will, going to see it this passenger weekend. all over your twitter timeline yeah
0: the dude's going to see it this weekend just you know don't don't tweet don't even tweet him like oh you'll never see no nothing nothing no tweets to david about episode nine tweet him about episode seven and his reaction tweet him about poo-pooing kylo ren tweet him about uh yeah, I can't even say that because we haven't gotten to the episode eight review. But I'll have something for you to tweet to him after we talk about episode eight. <laughs> um, real quick, Davix, we've won, we've run really really long now. Yeah. Uh, Captain Phasma, Brienne of Tarth from Love Game her. of Thrones. Is that I, who that is? Yes, that is, is Gwendolyn. It really? Yes, Gwendolyn oh. Christie, who played Brienne of Tarth, is Captain nice. Phasma. Love it. Now, I knew I liked her. They created that role yeah. because in the story group and in kind of the um the early art uh what's the word I'm looking for the the early designs mm-hmm. that style of armor was going to be kylo ren and mm-hmm. you know they it it kind of got pushed off to the side and I want to say it was Kathleen Kennedy she's the president of Lucasfilm she walked in and said what is this and jj told her oh it's a it's a discarded uh, designed for, for Kylo Ren, and she goes. This needs to be in the movie. Figure out a character, yeah, because she liked it so much. You know, the, yeah, the the shiny silver armor. I mean, it's 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 an incredible look, and and I like the way that you see the way she handles herself, and yeah. you you're not even sure if it's a female or not. But then <clears throat> she Gwendolyn Christie, is so talented. She has these ways. Of standing authoritatively, but also with a little feminine twist. So it's like, yeah, I'm a chick and I'm in charge. Don't mess with me. And yeah, I'm a huge fan. I really like uh, Captain Phasma and I love Gwendolyn Christie. She's just fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was a fan of the character. I, I think they should have done more with her.
0: Um, And then the last two that we'll, we'll touch on real quick. Uh, what do you think of Finn? f n two one
1: eight seven uh Finn's cool, but it sucks how he dies at the end <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, so I already know that he didn't die, but i I legit right. thought he was dead uh because I told you this he's laying in what I now know is like a medical whatever uh getting repaired, and yeah, I thought uh, the dude was dead uh yeah we'll we'll test your your star wars memory here. do
0: you remember in empire's strike <clears throat> Empire Strikes Back episode five uh-huh after Han rescues Luke following his attack by the abominable snowman. And they show him in that giant floaty tube of water. Yeah. Okay. So that's what they called a back to tank. It was used for healing. And now we're, we're going back to the advancements in technology. The pod that Finn is in is a back to pod. So all the, the, like the, the Finn naked leaking bag thing, um, uh, that, like, plastic suit that he was in was Bacta, but he
1: was just in a pod instead of in a giant tank. Gotcha. Yeah, I legit thought he was dead, because then Ray says, like, I'll see you again, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so she means, like, on the other side type of thing. Like, gotcha. And, yeah, then obviously, you know, see, uh, episode 8, am like, surprise! <laughs> uh, and what'd you think of Poe? Uh, I mean, he's cool, but he's a little too much. He's a little too, like, fake Han Solo, like, I've met a lot of pilots, and don't get me wrong, a lot of pilots are very, very much like guys like Han Solo, but there are different ones out there. So I think mean, they could have they could have uh but it wasn't as egregious of a copy paste, I don't think, but still just a little too much Han Solo for me. Um but yeah, without getting into episode eight, like I like him now. <laughs> he he's one of my favorites. I love Poe. Yeah. People are going to be so. mad that I've already watched episode eight. I'm kind of mad at myself now, <laughs> but I, I, well, I had to see you, it all before I saw episode nine. So. You just
0: couldn't resist, man. I don't blame you.
1: These are great movies. No, I really—I mean, I am enjoying it. And I you know, uh, uh, Jean, you know, tweeted, I mean, uh, you know, a little while ago that, you know, I, I, uh, don't like that he did. He couldn't believe that I didn't like the star Wars series. And, you know, so I had to kind of like correct him. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't dislike it. There's just, there are things I don't like, but I mean, um, you know, uh, overall, I think the series is good. You know, uh, episode two sucked, but I was going to say, really, the only the one that uh, you said that lines. you,
0: the only one that you said that you really do not like is is Attack of the Clones, which I don't blame you. It's not a good movie.
1: Yeah, it's, it's garbage. Um, well, the rest of it's good. You know, it's good to have the story. It's good to fill in the dots, fill in the blanks. That's what pisses me off so much about Snoke is. And, and again, I know it's not Disney that did it. I know it's not J.J. Abrams that did it. But like the, from a series standpoint, like go through all this, you literally made three three movies to fill in the dots, you know, to fill in the blanks for what what led to to the first three movies. And I get it. it you made three movies because it was going to sell it and make a lot of money. Understood. But from a storytelling aspect, like it's kind of like like when we talk about journalists, right? Like I understand you're a movie writer and you're a movie director or producer or whatever. And, you know, your job is to make money. But somewhere along the lines, you got into that business because you really love telling stories and you were really dedicated to telling a good story. Tap into that. Like, the money will come. You put Star Wars on it, money's going to come. So put in some energy into the other part, the the part that got you into the business in the first place. Um, You know, I just, and, and, you know, I don't want to get on, like, my moral or social soapbox, or I just, there's too much. It's like, you know, I don't know, like, you're, what you write is being published by you know Tampa Bay Times. People are going to read it. You're gonna get read. So worry less about inciting people to read your stuff and worry more about writing quality stuff. and they'll keep coming back. But I feel like too much, there's too many people who seem to forget the reasons they get into the to the fields they're in and they allow the quick hitting pace of things or the money making pace of things get in the way. And there are just moments in this series. Like, I feel like episodes four five and six were written genuinely, like even for their flaws, they were written genuinely. Like that was a person wanting to tell the star Wars story one, two and through or one, two and three. Not so much. Uh, seven. I feel like there was a story there, but I really feel like the motivation was more. Let's get star Wars going again. Cause it'll make us a lot of money. How can we do this? versus what is the next logical step in the story and how do we get there in a in a good way. Um, I feel like there were just too many corners cut and I feel like it just lacked uh, inspiration well, from a story standpoint.
0: David, let's go ahead and wrap it up the way we always do. How many lightsabers are you giving The Force
1: Awakens? I'm going to give it three and a half only because so much of the plot is copy-pasted. Like, okay if it was a standalone, I'd probably say four, um, maybe even four and a half. Um, cause it's not bad, but, uh, because like I said, because so much of the storyline was copy pasted, it, it loses half a star for me.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, next week, of course, we will be discussing the last Jedi. And then I cannot wait to get into the, um, the rise of Skywalker discussion with David. Maybe we should invite Evan on the podcast because he hated that movie so much.
1: Well, we're just going to, yeah, he really did. We're just going to have to like, cause I don't, you know, I know like all the like super dedicated star Wars people have probably already seen it like two or three times, but I have uh, seen we'll it have twice. Sure, yeah. We'll have to make sure we, we lay some heavy spoiler alert stuff and a nice little chunk of time between spoiler alerts to allow people to not get spoiled. Oh, absolutely. Cuz it will still be relatively new when we talk about it, so I don't want to ruin it for anybody else. It's it's already almost at a half billion. Jeez, man. It's pretty Yeah. Cool. That's insane. And I downloaded the Star Wars game. I haven't played it yet though. Which one? The Galaxy the of Heroes? One, I don't know, the one you told me to. The PlayStation one. Oh, Jedi Fallen Order so good. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. I'm probably going to play it. Uh, probably tomorrow and Saturday. But it's a I'm long it game. Out. It is a long game. I have a day and a half, so.
0: I think the the story's like Ten to twelve hours long, like it's it's a long game. And then if you're going for the completionist and you want to get a hundred percent of everything, all the secrets found, all the Jedi powers unlocked, all the different skins for BD one, which is your little droid buddy, and for Cal, who's the main character in the ship and all that, like you have to put in some time. I I beat it and I don't even have I think a third of the total possible points that you can earn. Mm-hmm. Um well, I bought
1: the version that comes with like came with like an extra skin or something like that. Oh, so know. you got the deluxe? Know. That's the same one that I got. Yeah, but it was on sale, so I got it for like forty bucks.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's there's there's a lot to find, and I need to go back and revisit planets now that I've beaten the story, because mm-hmm. there are secrets that are out there that you cannot get to when you're supposed to be on that planet. So if you're gonna get a hundred percent, you have to go back to all these other planets okay. and uh, and unlock all these things. There was one secret that really, really pissed me off because I saw it. I just could not figure out how to get to it, and it really drove me nuts. Huh. Do you get to fly? Like, actually fly? Do you mean, like, fly the ship? Yeah. No. Oh, what? No, you have, you have a pilot. I'm so angry. But if you want to do ship flying, then you need to get Battlefront 2.
1: Uh, I do, tried
0: Battlefront 2 and I did not like it. I love that. I actually played it a lot with, with my son today because I bought the DLC that has the episode nine skins and everything. So I get to be mm-hmm. like the Sith Troopers and I got the Episode 9 Ray and Episode 9 Kylo and everything. And I have a blast with it. But there is a mode on there where you get to fly the hero ships. You know, if you're the good guys, you can fly the Falcon. You can fly Yoda's uh Starfighter, you can fly Ho's X Wing, Luke's X Wing. And then if you're if you're the bad guys, you can fly Kylo's ship and the Slave One, which is Boba Fett's, or Darth Maul's ship, or uh, TIE Fighter, or Vader's TIE Interceptor, or things like that. Like, I have a lot of fun with those modes, but there's a
1: lot of, of flying levels in that. Yeah, maybe I'll give it another shot. You should. I don't know. Except my you... son downloaded a lot of Fortnite Star Wars skins, even though you. He refuses to watch the movies (laughs) yeah my my kids downloaded all those too Yeah.
0: so all right well with that David we are going to wrap up this episode and we are going to wrap up this week so for those of you that stuck with us through David Harrison review Star Wars we appreciate all of you we thank you all so much and again don't tweet spoilers to David that's just on so many different levels not cool um A lot of people had this movie spoiled for them going in, and it wasn't by their own choice. I had to go on a Twitter blackout for a week because people were intentionally sharing spoilers, avoiding keywords so that it got spread. And those of us that muted words and phrases would have been exposed to it. And I know some people did that happen to. It's just not cool. So... You know, after you listen to this episode, you can tweet David your thoughts on his thoughts about episode seven, but nothing about episode nine, please. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. Enjoy the final Bucks game of the season, because it's going to be a long time before we get another one. Everyone forget draft position. Forget all that. Root for the Bucks to win. Root for Jameis to have a good day. Just
2: root for your team.
0: Hope you all have an outstanding weekend. And thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.
1: One more time.
2: One more time. i to celebrate. Oh, yeah. All right. stop the dancing. One more time. i to celebrate. Oh, yeah. All right. stop the dancing. One more time. i to
1: more time